Alright, so I got uh, Mickey Griffin here. Uh, Mickey is a real estate broker and a uh, she's done some rehab work and she's a wrestling mom, which <laughs> I want to talk about the wrestling mom thing some because I'll tell you what, my sons have done real well in wrestling and they don't have what I consider a wrestling mom. Like, I mean, when I say a wrestling mom, like there's all kinds of moms that are like, you know, kill him, Johnny. And that's not a wrestling mom. That's like an idiot. So uh, there's a certain wrestlers that I've seen that, and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong in this. When I, when I see you, I see you as the person that's, you know, their dad wasn't the one that got him involved in grappling and stuff like that. That was you, right? That was me. Okay, it seemed like that's that's the impression that I got. And I admire that, actually. Like, I think that's terrific. I think that, like, um, it seems hard to believe, but my sons are 18 years old. They've been wrestling since kindergarten, seniors in high school. They have never once been told by their mother to go work out. They've never been once told by their mother to go for a run or um, anything, pretty much. Like, they tell their mom what they want to eat and stuff like that because they get their diet from me and then they just, you know, tell their mom, this is what I want to do. So when I see a wrestling mom, um, Nathan Calloway's mom, which is ironically, she's a real estate broker also, uh, Michelle, I don't know if you know her or not. Yes, I do. Okay, right. So she's the same way. Like it was, she's the catalyst for everything that Nathan did as far as wrestling goes and all the other stuff. And I always admired that. I was like, boy, my sons, it would be like, It'd be insane how far they could go if they had it coming from both directions constantly. So, well, I think I need to back up on that a little bit. Okay. So, um, what got us even started in the whole grappling world in, in uh, combat fighting was actually my younger son Dominic. Okay. Um, he was four years old and he was having temper tantrums and he. I'm going to mess with the cameras here. Sorry, keep going. Keep oh, it's right. okay. He couldn't He couldn't speak what was that. He was frustrated. And okay. he had no outlet, really, you know, to uh, get rid of his frustrations. And he would actually would fight with my older one, Bobby. Yeah, they're two years apart? They're Well, actually, they're 16 months apart. Okay. So, okay. yeah, just under, under two years. Sure. Um, but uh, back to back, nevertheless. And Irish twins, right? Irish twins, yeah. And um, so, you know, in searching for something for him, I'm like, well, it just made sense. Some sort of combat, fighting, boxing, sure. something like that. Sure. Um, we managed, and he was very young. He was four years old. So we couldn't find anything that was, that catered to him at okay. that age. Uh, we finally found a, a coach, and we had to do private coach through, um, God, over in Orland, UF. UFC gym or whatever, okay. you something like that. Um, I know they've changed names so many different times now, but um, it was Marco Damiani. He was a Muay Thai okay. champion, so on and so forth, sure. came to America. He took him on, and um, it really helped. It helped him with some discipline. It helped him get out some frustration, some anger, all these things. Okay. And um, he became really good, and he he was super cute. We have, like, little videos of yeah, him, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, fighting sure. and kicking. and Good-looking boys. And, yeah, yeah he's doing little combos and kicks. and Right. So then Bobby decided he wanted to get involved in something, and he, you know, in doing combat sports, you start to see other um, genres of this and he saw jiu-jitsu okay so bobby was about five years old and we took him to a jiu-jitsu gym and he never looked back he, right, he's done right. it 
every single year of now, his Now, was life. that Randori or? Um, well, Randori was uh, Brujo before Randori. Oh, right, right, okay. And that, that was before I was there with the boys. Right, right. right. Okay. Um, so we started then, and, um, you know, what's crazy is some of the guys are still, you know, I talked to all the guys. Yeah. And it's been years and years. Um, but good people. He loved it. We would travel all over the Midwest going and checking out, you know, or doing tournaments. Right. And, um, and that's how we came to meet, actually. You came. Actually, right. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah. I came in at Randori and, and uh, I, I brought the boys in there. So the the wrestling thing, though, my, my sons, it was always going to be. Wrestling was going to be the thing. That was what they, you know. That was my plan for them. You know, uh, as far as I knew, that was the most. The guys that were the most disciplined. The guys that were like, it's all encompassing. If you're if you're going to wrestle, you got to you know, diet's got to be important. And then like, when I say diet, I kind of hate that word. Like I told my sons, I go, listen, you, you don't diet. You eat and train. Mm-hmm. So when I say diet, I just mean the structure of what they eat. There's a misconception with wrestlers that like that they don't eat or something like crazy shit like that. And it's not that way at all. My sons eat tons of food. It's just the right food. Right. Sort of. So their their diet is is what they take in. Um, but you need to be disciplined. And and I figured with my my daughter, she's a gymnast. So that's a very difficult sport. Like I mean, you know, Olympic gymnasts are trained like to the utmost. So I set the bar where I set it for all three of my kids. And wrestling's the toughest sport as far as high school sport goes, too. So I set the bar high, and if they failed from that, then they could be football players, or they could be, you know, baseball players, or they you know, whatever like that. But, you know, wrestling, once you do that, like, everything else is easy. So, you know, I, that that's the way I set it up. And then... We had a similar situation. Peyton was the kid who had to sit on the bouncy ball in school, and he just would not stop moving. He mm-hmm. was constant movement. And they were like, we had teachers that were like, we, they would like to see him medicated. because and I'm like, oh, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Right. I was I'm on sorry. the same page with that. Okay, it was right. not happening. No, no chance. So we you know, dove into wrestling. And then the boys, I got, you know, I mean, they, they always did better than you know, they always won more than they lost, sort of a thing. So, like, they, from the get-go, they, their first tournaments, they were, like, you know, in the finals and stuff like that. So, it was, it was fine. Um, they've had their ups and downs. There were definitely times, there were times when they were at the club that they were at that the coaching staff really didn't think much of them at all. Like, yeah, you know, and right now they're, like, ranked fifth and sixth in the state. So, like, you know, it, it's come a long way as far well, as that goes. Well, you and I both know that they like to play favorites, too. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're mm-hmm. – I'm speaking very frankly right yes. now. Yes, absolutely. You know, oh, they, my God. They only put the time into the ones that they want to. That and their daddy coaches. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've Agreed. coached – Right. I've coached for, for eight years now, and I'm the – I feel like – I mean, someone could tell me that I'm wrong, but I'm the opposite of a daddy coach – I waited till my sons got out of the first group. We had three groups, and I waited till they got out of that group so I could come into that group and start coaching because I don't want to coach. I, I holler at my kids. I shouldn't say holler at my. Tell them what to do all day, every day. I don't want to tell them what to do all practice, too. Like, go have someone else tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. And that's the way we did it. So I came in into the group one. They were only in group two for a couple years, and then they were into group three, which is the varsity. Mm -hmm. And then I went to group two, and I've been there ever since. I've never really left that group. Uh, Their their eighth grade year, I spent all my time with them because it was the last one they were going to have that way. So it was fine. Um, Now, Matt's side, 
they prefer me to coach them because they're like, you know, you know best. And then, like, they come up just last week. We're at a tournament and uh, we're at a a duel where we had to wrestle three teams. And my son goes, hey, can you watch my – and I'm like, yeah. So I scout out his match that's coming up. I'm like, all right, he's going for a single on your left leg. He's, you know, he's a stand-up for, he's a switch, whatever. Whatever he's going to do, like, we, he knows ahead of time because I watched the match. Right. So, like, he's wrestling at the same time. I'm videotaping his match so I can watch it in a minute while I'm physically watching the With other two guys, guys he's going to meet mm-hmm. later on. Um, so we have, we have, like, a we have a better relationship than I could have ever dreamt we would have. And... I'm actually surprised because of the amount of time I spend with them to we do construction together, we fish together, we live together, and we wrestle together. So I'm constantly telling them what to do. And wrestling is like no other sport. You're literally in the corner hollering things at them. Well, I I don't think people realize, okay, yes, it's a physical thing, and yeah. it's very hard, and you're constantly training, and the workouts are like no other, and that's really the truth, yeah. and um, you'll is. see these kids. You people that up. aren't involved in it that don't understand that. Absolutely They're not. Like, my kid plays lacrosse, and I'm sure it's just as difficult, and I'm like, listen, I don't want to be a dick, but it's not. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to say these things, and you're going to be mad, but I'm telling you. It's not the same. It's not the same thing. These guys are literally like, they're. it's a combat sport. So you're going to go one-on-one with a guy that they have, like this sport was literally done where they would just oil the guy up naked and send you out there. So you're the same size. You have no weapons except for your body. Mm-hmm. And then you go. Survive. So go, go, go at it. Right. It's, as, it's, as, it's as fair as a sport as it can be. Really what it has to do with is what did you do with the whole week before you got here on Saturday to do this? And I think, too, it's it's a chess match. It is very oh, mental. Sure. And, you know, yes. what's the next move? Anticipating. You need to know where your body is in space. Uh-huh. and then That wine's all right. What is that? Oh, it's a bag. What do you think? It's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was yeah. referred to me by somebody, and it's good. It's really good. But I love red wine, so. <laughs> yeah. Especially South American. So right, there you good. go. Good. Uh, okay, so, yeah, you were saying. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Just so- wanted to look and see what that was. I hadn't had it before. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, it, it, to get out there on the mat, it's just you and nobody else. It's not. It's a team sport, but it's not a team sport. It's you. Right, it's not a team you. sport. It's the right. You know, and um, it's all mental. I think it's all mental. you got to push yourself to the absolute limit. Oh, there's and, so much thinking that goes on in it. And, like, I can see guys, uh, a real good example of that was Matt Ramos at uh, Lockport is a world champion. He won Fargo, and then he won Worlds. So he went to, like, Belarus or whatever and won Worlds, which is amazing. But if you watch that match, the guy came in on a shot a certain way, and I don't want to, like, get real technical with it with the podcast because most people listen don't. They're not wrestlers. But he almost let the guy get in on it twice, and then the third time he pinned him. Like, he knew exactly what he was going to do, and he's like, all right, he thought it out. He's like, I got it, and this is what I'm going to do. So, like, there's so much thinking that goes on. And I think a lot of people, the thing that ruins it for me is that stupid uh, WWE thing. It's like the opposite. They couldn't have thought of something that wasn't further from the truth to make the professional wrestling. You know what I mean? It's just nonsense. Uh, So, yeah, it's very smart, guys. Um you know, a lot of the my my kids get 
great grades and 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 you know every it's an it's an intelligent guy's thing jujitsu is i think you even have to be more methodical in that because it's slower and you're constantly thinking about what you're going to do as far as the sport goes you know? yeah right. so yeah. now did you see you know what kelly ripa is right yes okay do you know her, her kid wrestles right Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't know. Okay, so no. you didn't see, I guess, some my, my buddy Tom, who went to the tournament this weekend, McCoy, he was at uh, Randori. So, okay. So uh, I grow, grew up with him, and he wanted to see the boys wrestle, so he showed up last weekend, and he said, did you see the Kelly Ripa's husband thing? And I go, no. And he goes, he came out of the stands, and like there was this whole big thing where he was like going to fight somebody, at a wrestling tournament. That sounds about right. Yes, right. So <laughs> we've seen a couple of little, like, you know, things get a little bit hairy and stuff like that, but mostly everybody's pretty cool. And what's crazy is there's some real top-level fighters that are at these things coaching, and no one ever loses their shit. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't ever see it get out of hand. I mean, I've been to a bunch of tournaments where Ben Askren's there coaching his AWA team in a duel. I mean, it's a youth wrestling thing, but this guy's like one of the best fighters on the planet and he's here and it's like, you know, dads are screaming and all this other shit's going on and nobody's like losing their shit. You know what I mean? So like, I I think it's a a confidence thing where these guys know what they could do to each other so they don't sort of thing. It's almost like a humble respect. respect. Yes, right, right. Um, As a, as a wrestling dad, there's, Definitely dads that in the eight years I've coached, I've had to pull aside and been like, hey, you've got to calm down. Right. Okay? I know you're really excited. I know this is very emotional for you, but you're treating this like it's a reflection of you, and it's not. Besides the fact your son's eight. Calm down. Right. Take it down a notch because there's no college coach that's ever going to remember that match when he was eight years old. You've got to chill. Well, I've seen kids have more sportsmanship than their parents. Their parents, yes, right. And I think the parents put too much on... I, I put my sons in it, and, and, and the jiu-jitsu stuff is, is you've got another angle where I see parents that put their kids in jiu-jitsu like, with the plan that their kid's going to be a cage fighter someday. And I look at those people and I'm like... Have you been punched in the face repetitively, <laughs> repeatedly? And they're like, no. And I'm like, hurts. Right. Hurts a little bit. And you want to put your kid in right. that situation. Right. And like, oh, maybe you should go like get punched in the face a bunch of times and then rethink this. Because right. my sons have always been good at this. And I, not in a bad way. Like I had to explain this to a guy that, that did some cage fighting. I'm like, listen, if my son comes to me at 23 years old and he says, I've got my degree in my pocket. I'm going to be an engineer, dad but I want to give this cage fighting thing a go, I will help him train. I will put a camp at my house, and we will train for you to go fight. That's great. Yeah. But if my son comes to me at 23 years old and he bombed out of college and he wants to be a cage fighter as a living, I fucking failed. It's my daughter on a pole. Like, it's the same thing. Like, I, this is not what I want. That's not a, You're going to get your brains beat in, and then you've got nothing to fall back on. So right. it's like it bothers me. And I don't, my boys are going to go to college. I don't care. I come from construction, so I don't care if you go to college. Part of this podcast, part one of the parts that I like the most is that I get people on here that haven't gone to college. I just had Leah Freeman on. She is owner-designer at Fuse Salon, 
and she makes a fabulous living doing fabulous stuff constantly, no college. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people that are there working with her or for her, it's the same thing. They went to college. They've got a four-year degree or a six-year degree, whatever they've got, and now they're doing – and people think that that's like a letdown. They found what they want to do, so well, I don't no, have a problem with that. No, Well, in, in all fairness, I mean, I went to college. I have a degree, right. and I am doing nothing <laughs> – I mean, this guy in my office, same thing. Yeah, Jeff Abbott. He's. It's. it's I mean, it's good that I went. It, now, what'd you go to college for? Um, music business. Music business. Mm-hmm. So, what were you gonna do? I was gonna travel and be a tour manager and. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that that seems pretty damn fabulous. What happened there? Yeah. Just family and all that kind of stuff happened, and. No, family didn't happen. I just. It was a whole lot of babysitting. I have zero tolerance for. <laughs> People who can't be responsible for there you themselves. Go. There you go. So, and that's me being very candid on that. And Got it. that's what it really was. And it came down to like, I felt like it was all nothing but babysitting. And I'm like, grow up. Okay. Now, we've just for the, the people, you know, we've talked a bunch, but never like in depth. So, this would be a conversation where I kind of get to know you a little bit because we haven't, you know, really, I mean, we, we chit chatted for about 20 minutes before the podcast. And like I said, as far as wrestling moms go, like I knew you were part of the catalyst and what was getting the boys where they were going. So like I always dug that and I always like admired that situation because I think it's it's got to be a different emotion going on with you than a guy. Because like I, I had buddies of mine that were like, oh, your sons are good wrestlers. Are they mean like you? And I'm like, nope. My sons are sweethearts. My sons are real nice guys. Like most of the people that they wrestle don't even hate them afterwards. I'm sure they didn't enjoy wrestling them but because they lost. But they're not mean. And I was mean. I was a mean guy growing up. And I was mean for a reason that I, you know, hang, you know, get into any of that. But um, so like I don't have that thing where I think my kids are, are got to be me or like a reflection of me. I was who I was all by myself. I don't need my sons to do that for me. Right. So from a mom's perspective. Well, I mean, I was an athlete. I always okay. was a competitive swimmer. Um, I'm very competitive in, by nature. Yep, yep um, me too. I don't like to lose. You can ask my family at family right. functions and we play games. And I mean, I Do you throw the Monopoly board? Well, no. I, I believe we were playing Spoons one uh, Thanksgiving. And do you know what Spoons is? Yeah. Okay. So we were playing Spoons and it got pretty violent. And I actually had put my cousin in a triangle choke and to get the <laughs> across the table. Nice. So, nice. yeah, I mean, it gets a little crazy, but... I guess from a mom's perspective, I actually did jujitsu, so I trained and I kind yeah, of knew where it. they were in in uh, the emotions that they felt. And and again, though, um, I always wanted them to have really good sportsmanship, and I wanted them to see it as a lesson learned if they if they did not win that that match. Like, sure, it's not a big deal. Learn from it. What did you, what, you know? What happened? What Maybe look back on it if you want. My kids refuse to look back on any of their um, matches now. They will not look back on them. Before, I'd be like, oh, but I could never video record because I was the mom yelling moves out. And I'm terrible at it myself. I'm always leaning or something like that. I'm like, oh, it's terrible. I can't. I, yeah. I, you know. And it's so funny because when they were in um, 
I know out this way they don't have, um, like in junior high, they don't have wrestling in junior high as a sport. Okay, yeah, well, some do. Right. Um, but I know back now, being in Morris, we were, you know, they went for junior high, and so yeah. they had it there. Uh, well, in Mantino, they have a team, I believe. I believe, I don't know if they do or not. So for my guys, they're, what's, is Morris High School 2A or 3A? Oh, no, don't know. I, I, so West is 3A, and that's where they go, and that's the biggest class in the state. So if I like my sons beat up the 2A kids when they wrestle them. So if they were to come here to Mantino, Mantino's 2A, they would, you know, we'd be. Well, for junior high, I don't think that they'd. No, I don't no, 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 it's all the right. And, and yeah. the junior high is different than the IK because, so my sons did IK all the way through from kindergarten through eighth grade. Okay. And that's a tougher, like the competition, excuse me, is tougher in the IK than it is in the junior high. But the junior high is tough if you're like a fifth or sixth grader because there's no age groups in the junior high. Mm -hmm. So if you're a fifth grader and you're like 105 pounds, you're wrestling eighth graders. Right. So uh, where the IK, it's private, the coaching's way better, and the competition's way tougher. I mean, some of these kids are like eating glass. They're they're like super tough kids. Um, So, you know, as far as... The junior high goes, my sons wish that Manhattan, because that's where we were at before, had um, junior a, a junior high one. I would have never let them I would have never let them compete in that. They would have been state champs in the junior high. But you know, like what what you gotta face the best guys to, to get to get better. Right. Um, and that some of that's like I hate it when I see somebody that's got an eight year old and they're like, you know, Flying him to Las Vegas to wrestle because he's got to face the best competition, and I'm like, he's eight. You got to, you know, like it's for me. I'm an eight. I'm an eight, I'm a father of eighteen year olds. It's different. I coach youth. It's easy for me to be like super laid back about youth because it does not matter. When I was there in the youth, though, I thought it did. Like I didn't think it did to the point where I was a bad parent, but I thought it did. You know, like to the boys and stuff like that. And it did to them at the time. Right. But you know what? They don't remember any of it now. Don't burn them out on it either. Well, right. Okay, so I got a different feeling about the burnout thing. The burnout thing for me is I, I don't like that view at all. I'm messing with my camera because I got a new setup here. But my ugly face is, let's do this one, uh, is uh, over yours and that's no good. Uh <laughs> But uh, so I coached a guy, a young man who is, his dad was on the podcast, um, Mike Mendoza, and his son is one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen. His son is like insanely good. Like um, there is a tournament that is, they have it two times in Tulsa and then once in Las Vegas over a year. And if you win all three, you're a triple crown winner. It's a big national tournament. It's it's like, it's it's a big tournament. It, it, I mean, it's a legit national tournament, and this kid's won it, the triple crown five times. Right. So just just like stupid good. Right. right. So good and a natural. The kid stepped on the mat and was like really good. Um, like all the kudos in the world for that kid to go do as many tournaments as possible. He's never going to get burned out by getting his hand raised. 
Like every single time he goes everywhere, he wins everything. The kids that I, I worry about burnout is we had a we have a coach whose kid's good. He's a like placer in the IK and he's driving him to like Ohio and stuff like that. And he goes and he loses all of his matches and he gets in the car and he's like, I don't even know why I try and stuff like that. And I'm like, I looked at him and go, stop taking him to those tournaments. Just stop. He's like eight. Just stop. When he's 12, take him again. See how he does. Right. But you will burn that kid out because if he thinks every time I go against good competition, I get my ass handed to me, who wants to do that? Nobody wants to do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like there's that, that's my view on burnout as far as that goes. Like, and, and there's uh, on USA Wrestling, there's guidelines. They say if you're under 12, 40 matches in a year, that's it. So don't take your kids to more, more than 40 matches. Older than that, you can, you know, go ahead and go 50, 60 matches, stuff like that. Right. My sons wrestle freestyle, Greco, and folk style. So it's it doesn't end. Like, it's all gear. Like, they don't stop. And I had this conversation with uh, a friend of mine, and her son wrestled. And, like, I felt bad after the conversation because her son, I have more respect for a kid who doesn't win anything and sticks with it all the way through school. It's hard to be like, you know what? Half the time I got my ass handed to me and the other half I, I won and it was nice. But he's sticking with it. My son's got it easy. Peyton lost three matches the entire season last year. So every pretty much every weekend he's like, eh, I kicked your ass, I kicked your ass. That's not hard to go do. When you're the other guy, and you're working for it. Yes, you're you're working, you're trying. Mm-hmm. You're getting beat up all the time. Boy, your ego's in check. Every every it's hard. Holy cow. So I got more respect for those guys anyways. And I don't think her son was this guy, but she was like, I can't believe your kids. I I, I said to her, I go, hey, Christmas and the holidays suck. My kids can't really eat. Like I made a a, ro- a, a lamb roast, uh some vegetables and a potato. And that was in the potato. was like, mm, should you have that? I don't know. They, the day after Thanksgiving on a Friday, they didn't wrestle that weekend. So my son could do whatever he wanted to. My son weighed 76 pounds. He wrestles at 60. So he had till the next Saturday to make 60. And he ate like a fool and everything else. And he definitely jumped on a scale as soon as he was as fat as he could be just to like, you know, see what he weighed. Right. But he had 16 pounds to take off by the next Saturday. And she was appalled by that. And I'm like, you just don't understand. That's the name of the game at the top level. That Those guys, that's what they do. MMA fighters take off 25 pounds to go do what they do. I have seen, and they're rehydrating. They've got IVs. Right, and they're I, like, right. my sons are not doing that. That's crazy. <laughs> I've seen it all. I've all right. seen it. I, I have never... So for jujitsu, it's a little bit different because that's where their roots, my kids' yes, roots are. Right. Um, judo and jujitsu, and their weight brackets are ten pounds. Ten pounds weight right, brackets. Sure. As little kids, they were ten pounds. Yes. So my guys didn't really cut weight for that stuff. Right, and no. so my kids never got into that because they didn't start wrestling until about I want to say nine, ten. Right. Nine or ten, something like that. They well, were kudos to them for sticking with it because that's tough to do then. Well, it's a hard transition getting from one to from jiu-jitsu to wrestling, wrestling to jiu-jitsu. I know you... We, that's a fact. Oh, my God. Yes. The whole thing, I watched... Okay, so Bo Nickel, who is an awesome college wrestler, 
just wrestled Gordon, like which or just grappled a grappling match. It was on Flow Grappling, and I tuned in to see it because Bo Nickel is like incredible wrestler, and he just he's he has no grappling experience. He's like he took three months to figure it out. He's like I'll go grapple with the best grappler in the in the world right now, this Gordon guy. So he goes and does this, and I'm watching it, and I'm like I can't make fucking sense of half of this. <laughs> People were attacking from their own asses. They were on their own asses, like scooting. Yeah, scooting and attacking. I'm like, this is not a fight. Oh my God. If I got into a fight, a guy put himself on his ass to begin with. I'd be like, the fuck are you doing? So like a dog wiping his right, head on yeah, the right, right, right. He was just scooting. I'm like, I'm like, what? He at one point, this Gordon guy attacked him backwards. Mm-hmm. It was some kind of a donkey or mule attack or some shit. And I'm like, you're literally showing me your ass, man. Like, this is what you're doing. Like, like I, I, And at one point, Bo Nickel grabbed him and, like, flipped him over his own head, like, threw him because mm-hmm. that's a wrestling situation. So I was like, whoa. And then, so I put my sons in jujitsu to expand their mind on wrestling. I wanted them to have, and honestly, there's a couple little things that they got from Leo that they still use. Like there's a couple of things that they that, that uh, Leo does when he has to fight a wrestler and it's, it's a situation that the wrestler's not looking for. Mm-hmm. So like my boys will pull it out of their ass and it's the, the other guys looking at their faces like what the fuck just happened? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden my son's behind him and he's got points. Um, so I liked it for that. But they definitely, we, we would spend, I would keep jujitsu 10 weeks from the season because you cannot, you can be comfortable on your back in mm-hmm. jujitsu. Like you yeah. said, just triangle choke. That you're on your back choking that guy that way. You can't be there in wrestling. It's points right, right now. Exactly. So it's definitely different for sure. But it's, it's all super uh disciplined and it's one-on-one it, it, it's very cool stuff as far as it goes i i we i had leo on the podcast and i would advise that if somebody wants to get into shape go do that because i would it's awesome for me personally and um my kids have been going uh to his gym and i don't know if i'm putting a plug out there or whatever but uh steve patterson patterson he, sure, he's sure. one of the best right, right now and they go to university of ground fighting in new lennox, over in new yeah. lennox and um they really love i mean he's a great instructor another and, one of the coaches at uh, in lincoln way goes there to uh, sam um i can't remember his last name but he's a uh uh, he's a police detective, but he goes to Steve, and yeah. that's where that's where he trains. But yeah, I know, good place. It, absolutely, I've only, I met Steve a couple times, but he was gone already from Randori when I showed up there. He's, I mean, that guy. I mean, he's super tall, mm-hmm. but he is lean and just. I mean, he's doing this for hours and hours sure. a day. I mean, right. instructing, rolling. He's great with the kids. Yep. Um, he has a clear mind, you know. He wrestled. Yep. That's how he started right. too. Yeah, Lincoln so, Central, I believe. Yeah. Yes, he did, right. and so that it's really good for. He gets it, you right. know, right. but um, knows and helps with the transition. And what I love more than anything is judo. I love the takedowns the and, the and the throws and yep, stuff like sure. that. And when my kids hit it, they'll hit him every once in a while. It shocks the wrestler. But sure. I always tell them you don't want to get caught up with a wrestler because once they they got you all wrapped up, you're done. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. No, it's, it's, it's definitely different. And, I mean, there's been some judo kids in Illinois that were really good judo players 
that went into wrestling and they were terrific wrestlers mm-hmm. as far as as far as it translated real well. Um, I sent my boys just this past summer over to Leo just for judo, like just show them some judo stuff because my guys are way better on the mat than they are on their feet. And I don't want to give anything up to somebody who's I know. scouting my guys okay. <laughs> for this year. But, uh, the, yeah, uh, my problem with wrestling is they call stalemates like right away. If a guy's on the mat, and my guy is making it to a position where he's going to put the other guy in trouble, and they'll call a stalemate and reset him. And my guys are pissed. They're like, oh, my God, I was so close. My guy's build is the same as mine. They're almost six feet tall. So if I'm on the mat with you, I can usually get a wrist or something really far away and get that pulled in. They're and then long I, and right, yeah, right. Their reach so, is good. Yeah, and you said your boy. Now, what was what was Bobby wrestling? What weight last year? Oh my God, last year one eighty two. One eighty two, and he's at one seventy now. He went he's, down a weight. Yeah, and he's like he's weighing in at I think one sixty four, but he's still wrestling one seventy. Now, why is that? Was the kid at sixties? good or I, I don't know i think i think that and he's winning at 170 i don't know no, yeah I, I, okay so i it, peyton's goal this year was to get to 70 because so there's a difference well, in where's he at now again? 60 okay so i told him I go listen son you got to get to 182 you got to be able to step on the scale before the season started at 182 to go to 70 that's you know because he's he's looking for a state title like he's you know he's in that hunt so he never made it he the heaviest he was was like 172 that was it so i'm like you're 60 he goes i know he goes i know but we were trying to get to 70 because that threshold right there not to say the wrestlers are are bad but they're when you when you when you're a guy that weighs 170 pounds you can play a really good football. You can play basketball. You can play all these other sports. Yeah. Everybody below that is like wrestling 365, seven days a week. They're, they're, it's all wrestling. True. So they're animals down there where I've seen guys, and I won't name any names, that were not very good wrestlers that were state placers at 170. And it was like, just because you're wrestling a football player. Like, that's what's going on there. So Peyton was like, if I could just get up there, I could kill those guys. And like right now, like he's like I could pretty much beat the seventy and the eighty two and in, in, at our team mm-hmm. because they're football players. You know what I mean? So like that's just how it goes. Um, so he was trying to get to that height. It's pretty cool that Bobby came down. Um, I don't know. I think it was like the summer of working, and yeah, right. you know what I mean, and just started leaning out, and he got sure. taller, and he's like six foot six, six one something like that so he just leaned out so crazy i know but now i'll see you guys at you guys will be at west on the 11th i think so yeah okay good good yeah, good because yeah, yeah. uh, I, I, I look forward to seeing the boys i don't talk to your sons that much but uh be good to see him and then oh my god if he's six foot one good lord uh so yeah no so it's good and i mean last time i really saw them they were little boys yeah you know at, in the in the grappling stuff so and and that's where I think Bobby really excels. But he and I think you're right about the 170 weight class. I he and again I, I'm not sitting here trying to like oh my kids, yeah, but it's like 30 seconds pin. Yep. You know what I mean? Like it's short amount of pair or amount of time and it's done. Sure, sure, and sure. you know I think the judo probably plays pretty good there too because them throws and you know everything else work out pretty well. You know, and I think, and once he gets him to the ground, he's like, he thinks, well, he gets him in full mount. <laughs> like, he's in, 
<laughs> or jujitsu. Jujitsu, right? And he's in full mount, and he's got him down on the ground. So yeah, you gotta fix me up here. Oh, absolutely. So. Hold on. Wine break. There you go. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm super thrilled that your that your guys stuck with it. I know Dom came over to the Lincoln Way Wrestling Club for a season there, and uh, um, I, I'll tell you what, it, it seems strange, but if somebody would, people get too caught up when their little guys are wrestling and how they're doing when they're in sixth and seventh and eighth grade and stuff like that. If they just have that background for two or three years, the, the, the jujitsu and judo helps. But if you're just in wrestling for a couple of years before you get to high school, everything changes once you get to high school. There's the freshman squad and the JV squad and then the varsity squad. I've seen guys that were freshmen on the freshman squad. They were still in freshman or you know whatever it is when they were sophomores or JV or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they finally make varsity when they're seniors, and they win like 90% of their matches. So you just have to put the time in and get there. Like, don't quit. Like, the, the retention in wrestling is so bad. It's terrible. They did that thing. Um, I don't know if you guys as Scoop Morris ever did it, but they did the thing with the shirt and the shorts. For like the, the two years ago, they made it like legal for oh for the instead of the singlet instead yeah. of the singlet because mm-hmm. guys didn't want to be out there with their junk or whatever you know because the singlet's revealing. It, I always was like laughing about that. I'm like, listen, if that's your biggest fucking problem, like <laughs> you shouldn't be wrestling, right? Like, you know that, exactly. Like you got other problems than that. But uh, so the the shorts that now I don't see any teams running the shorts and the short the the t shirt now. But for the first year, I saw teams that were doing the, the shorts and stuff. I think I saw one this year. I mm. think I saw one high school doing it. And I can't... My son's looking at it like it's kryptonite. Like, no, I'm totally wearing... And they're, you know... They're physically built okay, so they don't need that anyway. Like, I would not <laughs> they have, have confidence in they their They have confidence singlet. in what's going on. Right? <laughs> and... They're not, right? They're not. They're, yeah, it's not confidence in her single, Mickey. It's confidence in her things. But, uh, I always feel bad for the, the heavyweight. It's like, oh, this guy's so big and everything else, and he's got this thing on, and he's, you know, ding-a-ling and the whole thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not fun. So the, the shorts and the, the you know, T-shirt, the, the dry-fit shirt would be fine for him. But like everyone else, like who cares? My sons are as, like, they're as lean as they can be this time of year. Right. So they're like, I'm totally fine with this, Dad. This is, I don't know what the problem is. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but, you know. Wait, well, my younger, Dominic, the younger one, he's heavyweight. I right. mean, he's a big boy. Yes. And, but he is totally confident out there in his singlet. Doesn't he, care. He will do like Good. lunges and look at me like, hey. And right. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, my sons are crazy then. We'll be in a crowded gym and I'm like, Look over and like, you're naked. Like he's in his shorts, his underwear, and that's it. And I'm mm. like, what are you doing? He's like, change it. I'm like, all of yeah. Everybody, and I'm like, he's like, I don't care. So yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, so you know, it, it all depends. And I, like I said, I don't think it matters what you know what any of that goes on with the with with the singlet stuff. But uh, they were trying to get retention in the sport. They were trying to be like, all right, if the singlet's a problem. We'll let them wear, wear a dry fit shirt and the shorts, and then maybe we'll get more guys to stay. There's some great athletes that I've coached that cut out of the sport because they lose matches. 
every kid out there wants to they said i don't know the the, the dynamic and i need to stop talking because i need to let you talk more <laughs> um the dynamic between a dad and his son i know because i was a son and then now i'm a dad sons always want to want to show their dad like they want to they want to you know make their dad proud sort of a thing how does it work with a mom like like you know i go to tournaments now where my where the ex-wife doesn't show up she's not there so like they don't have their mom watching that situation um with a mom are they are what's the emotion that goes on with the boy with the mom i think you know they do look to me and they really do we I'm talk sure. about it and um before they go out i'm like oh you know come on let's have a conversation and they're like okay i'm like what do you what's your plan what's your game plan and had a like, girl and he they're like oh well you know what i gotta watch this because i i feel myself you know exposing this and i don't want to I, I just got to be conscious a bit about wow. it and i'm like all right well that's good think through the process you know get out there and whatever and yeah, and then I, I'm the mom yelling stuff out. And a lot of the time I'll do, if they're going to do something, and, you know, I'll yell out the Japanese word for it instead Shut of... Shut <laughs> up. Nice. But, I, I mean, they do look to me. They really do. And they'll look at me in the sta- from the, up in the stands. I've had coaches tell me that they won't coach them because they won't listen to them. They'll listen to me over them, and they'll, Jeez. they'll hit it, whatever they're working for. And... um. I, yeah, I, I think it's the same kind of... I, and see, I don't know because they have never been in that... You know, I think their dad um, has tried to have that conversation, but I think because he has never done it or been in the sport or right. done it or maybe present, necessarily present... And I'm not... Again, not no, no, no digs, no, 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 but no. just not the fact that, like, I have never missed a tournament, never missed... A match, never miss any kind of. I'm the one taking that. I'm a dude in a wheelchair, and I've. N- I don't care if there's a blizzard. I'm not missing. So maybe you know it's kind of like okay, he can't coach when he's never been in the situation. Right. I have been in the situation. I've done it. I understand. It's hard. It's hard. It's you on the mat fighting somebody. Sure. Sure. It, call it rolling, call it match, whatever. No, you absolutely. You are fighting with somebody. Right. Um, I always had a problem with that when people would say something about jujitsu and they're like, well, my son's going to fight. And I'm like, ah, I don't like that. Like that. There's a certain, I fought like a lot. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing in a jujitsu match, you're not fighting. I mean, that's not really, like, in a fight, there's no fucking rules. Like, I take my goddamn thumb and stick right. it right through your eyeball because I'm not losing this goddamn fight. So... Well, in all fairness, I've seen wrestling matches where they're sticking yeah. stuff in But there's a certain, right, there's a certain ability to playing by the rules. So, like, I look at wrestling and, and jujitsu and all that stuff. Like, um, I'd almost, for me, I'd almost rather watch a jiu-jitsu match or a wrestling match than a UFC fight. I look at a UFC fight and I go, I used to do it at the bar. Yeah. I t- tackle you, ground and pound. I would just climb up you and then beat the shit out of you. Like, those are, and I mean, yeah, I, mean, I used to use my face as a weapon. Like, everything that I did was like, I'm, go- I'm going to, it was it was a more of a like, I'm going to inflict pain. Wrestling and, and the grappling is so cool because it's, you're gonna beat somebody up without beating somebody up. Like you, you, you have to beat them up, but you're not gonna strike them, sort of thing. So you got to get it done that way. 
So you got to play within these rules and still make it work. And be methodical about be, it. Right, be methodical about it. So, okay, you ever see the movie Searching for Bobby Fisher? Yes. The little chess kid? Yes. Love that movie. <laughs> the, the dad said, the mom says he feels like every time he plays chess, he's if he doesn't win, he's going to lose your love. Does every, you know, how does how is that like, what kind of a professional athlete thinks like that? And the guy looks looks at his wife and goes, every single one of them. Yeah. And that's the relationship between a dad and a son. My sons, it's something we have to overcome. Like, I have to explain to them, son, I'm not let down with you. Just let's figure out what went wrong. And I mean, like, I've been lucky. It's only been a few times a year that we have to do this conversation. But my sons have a hard time with it every single time. Like, I need to let them have 10 minutes by themselves before they can even, like, look me in the eye. Mm-hmm. Which is like, son, if you You're came to me... you to make me cry. I'm serious. Because I've had these conversations, right. so go ahead. Right. No, right. It, but if my sons came to me and said, you know, I'm gay or I'm... There's nothing. I, Dad, I killed a family of three. Well. Okay, son. <laughs> You're still my son. We're going to have to figure out where we're going to go from here. So, like, this is a completely different thing. I killed a family of three than I lost a wrestling match. But there's times where they lose a wrestling match, and I feel like, hey, man. They feel at that moment in time that it's the end of the world. I mean, you've seen so many kids, you know, these big guys, and they're having these adrenaline dumps, and they're crying and sobbing and throwing their headgear. And, you know, and I've always told them, I'm like, this, that's you never should act like that right, right <laughs> and right. No, no one's ever gonna like it's not the end of the world and then the other conversation that i have you know there are days where they don't want to go there are days when they don't want to do it and sure. you know and or they they're upset about something and i always tell them like you know that's part of me being your mother is that on the days that you feel like giving up i don't give up on you. Right, I will never give up on you. You've got to walk this line, and I have to do it with my boys. Like I've, and I've, in plain words, explained to them: Listen, my relationship with you is more important than any wrestling match you'll ever have. Or wrestling. I mean, Peyton, when he was like in eighth grade, he said something about like down in the mouth about wrestling, and I'm like, son, you you understand you can quit anytime you want. Mm-hmm. Like this is not a thing that. Like, it will not bear on our relationship. You will be the, the son that I have that doesn't wrestle, and then the other one will, whatever like that. And he's like, oh, I don't want to quit. And I'm like, I'm just explaining to you that you don't do this for me because it's never going to work. So, you know, as far as that goes, like, we were talking about other sports and stuff like that. This sport, and I, like, from a mother's point of view, it's emotional. It's far more. Like, did your boys play football? Yes. Right. Okay. My sons played baseball for three years. They would come off the field, and I'd be like, how'd you do? They're like, oh, good, I got that hit, and then I caught the ball. I'm like, good, who won? They wouldn't even know what the score was. They didn't even know who <laughs> won the damn game. And I'm like, there. Now, in wrestling, you know if you right. won or you lost. Like, I did not get my hand raised, Dad. I fucking lost. <laughs> so, like, it was. it's a completely different emotion that's going on in that versus, you know, the, the, the baseball or football. or The team sport is a completely different thing. And I see parents that I'm like... There was, a, there was a set of parents that the dad, the son at the beginning of the year, lost a bunch of matches, and the dad looked at him and said, I'm not coming back anymore. And he didn't come back for the rest of the year. It was high school, 
and the kid ended up placing at state. And I saw the dad there at state. Mm-hmm. He turned it around and he, and he did good. Um, the mother was not really good either. Like she would be mad side, like throwing her, literally throwing her hands up and be like, I'm out of here. And she would do the two handed, like, you know, you suck sort of thing, like and everything else. And like, you can't, you can't do any of that. Like none of that could be the thing that you could do. And I don't, I don't fault them. Emotion just got the better of them. Yeah. They were upset that this was the way it was going. And like I said, the kid ended up being a state placer. Maybe it worked. I don't know. I can't. I can't do that myself. So like, I've never done that. I've never. You don't even. I don't even. Like, I, I coach, and you don't hear me at this mad side. And I don't speak mad side. Your situation is different. Your boys come from a grappling situation where. They're probably doing things that the coach doesn't know what the fuck they're gonna do. And that's yes. Right. So like I give you a cut you a pass. We have a <laughs> we have a guy I don't I don't I don't say the the head coach for my boys is a two time All American. He was in the NCAAs, twice placed, third and fifth in the NCAA. Like one of the best wrestlers on the planet at one time at his weight class. I'm not gonna say anything because he's Right. He knows he's what he's this. doing. Right, right. So uh I don't say anything out of respect for them, um, but we have a we have a we have a, a guy who his son's on the on the varsity team, and he's a screamer. He just he and like it's almost like a joke how loud he is. And like people <laughs> holler out, "Hey, what are you? You know, you're not you're not being loud enough or something like that." I looked at it and just jokingly I said, "Hey, you know, our office has been kind of lagging in the real estate stuff. We've been kind of slow." Can you come over and holler at us for a little bit? <laughs> and he did not laugh. I'm like, it was a joke, man. I'm just kidding. You know, I like, will pay to come over and like, you know, call that guy back. Uh, that lead, you didn't, you didn't follow up. <laughs> Something, you know. <laughs> but uh, but anyways. Uh, I don't know. I think you're right. It's emotional for the parents. Mm. And I think in wrestling, in grappling, in jujitsu, the parents are really vested into it. Uh, I mean, I have never seen a kid excel without a good support system. Like parental support is you're big. So right, That's- right. And I, and when I say parental support, I got to disclaim it with like, like explain what it is. Parental support is not kill him, Johnny. Right. That's not parental support. Parental support is I open up my wallet and I'm constantly paying to take you to Michigan, Iowa. You know, Missouri. St. Louis, right. yeah. I'm driving you yeah. everywhere for these tournaments. <laughs> right, right. So that's parental support. Um, so I've never seen a kid excel without it. I've never seen a kid where I'm like, wow, that kid's really good, and I don't know his parents. Because I know their parents. I mean, wrestling is a situation where if you see a really good wrestler wrestling, you can look over up, oh, there's his dad. Like, it, what? this is what I find weird. When I would see your boys, I see you. When I would see other wrestlers that I know, I would see it's one parent always, which is strange. Like, do you know my ex-wife? No. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, like, when I see a set of, or, or a good wrestler, I know one parent all the time. Um, there's a there's a wrestler that's at Illinois right now. He's a D1 wrestler. I've talked to his dad 30 times. I couldn't pick his mom out of a lineup. And then... Like uh, Callaway, I've seen his mom. I've seen his dad once or twice, but like I've never seen him involved in the wrestling thing. It's, it's I don't know what is it about about wrestling or grappling. 
maybe it's the emotion or what. Like one parent just can't take it and they check out. Possibly. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I, I just, I'm not the parent that checked out, so I can't even. And the one that did, I don't talk to. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> right, 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 right. No, I mean, um, I, I, I think it's more, I enjoy it. I fucking look forward to it. Nice. I right. love Me too. it. I do. I, I, I love every minute of it. I love it so much that I love to go coach the youth guys and I'll tell you what, there's nothing that, that makes me more... I'll, I'll be at high school tournaments like for years now because I have wrestlers coming up into high school. It's so awesome to see a kid that I coach. There's an 18-year-old kid on the wrestling team at West that every time he sees me, he goes, what's up, coach? It's still the, co- it's the it's weirdest thing yeah. in the world, but it's the most awesome thing in the world, too. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, and his parents call me coach. I'm friends with them. They're like, what's up, coach? And I'm like, yep. That's you know that's who I am, yeah. so it's great. It, it the 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 thing I'm most proud of being called is dad, and the second thing is coach. So it, it's terrific. Um, so yeah. So but <laughs> really, the podcast I want to talk about real estate more than anything else. <laughs> this is we we, we spend. I, I would say I spend a, a very hard focused twenty five percent of my life on wrestling, and the other like you know there's another like. Fifty percent that's spent on real estate. real estate, and now you're different than me in that that aspect too, because I still contract. So part of my focus is on contracting, and part of my focus is on real estate. But so let's shift gears a little bit. Let's let's okay. talk about the the real estate business now. My second love, right? How <laughs> how long have you been? You started. I know you started after me, but when did you start with the real estate? Well, honestly, I started real estate when um, God. I bought my first condo at 21, and I started flipping. Oh, I didn't know that. Wait, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I didn't. So you had your real estate license for how long? I didn't. I've only had my real estate license since uh, 2014. Oh, okay, okay. okay so, yeah, and okay. then I went back, and then I had my managing broker's license, so got I got it, that. Got okay. But um, I was flipping at 21. I would buy. I, my mom, who's one of my heroes, oh, uh, tell that story. I, <laughs> um. She's an entrepreneur. She's kind. Um, she's tough. Yeah. Uh, she was always tough on me. Uh, had always high expectations for herself, for me. Business. She was always a business businesswoman, and um, I was lucky to have that as uh, an influence. Yeah, role uh, model, sort of role model. I, I mean, and then she's your mom on top of it, which is right. amazing, you know. But. Um, it, yeah, I, I I know how to, you know, I know how to love and I know how to raise a family and I know how to be a businesswoman because of my mom. Good. But anyways, uh, she was wonderful and she um, had put aside some money for me and I was working full time, going to college full time, blah, blah, blah. And um, anyways, uh, she had, you know, the forward thinking and she gave me the money to get my first place. Right. Uh, How old were you? 21. 21. That, so, like, my advice always is to young people, if, you, if you're like somebody who gets it, if you're obviously in your college, you're not going to get a house. Like, that's not going to work out. You're going to be too in debt with the college situation. But if you're somebody who, at 18 years old, gets your job and you're working on a career. In the trade. Work or... towards work towards getting a home. Yeah. Stop renting. I mean, that, I mean you know. Right, but you, know, you do rentals quite a bit. I don't do very many rentals in the real estate stuff, but 
you know, like some people, I think maybe not everybody is a homeowner, but well, financially, it's a really good idea to get yourself in a position to own. So let me tell you why um, I am in the rental business on top of it. Um, yeah. I would say 90% of my clientele are first time home buyers. Oh, wow. Um, See, that, that, that for me, that's not. Most of my clientele is. I'm probably dealing more in the three to four to five hundred thousand dollar range than I am with most of my my first time home buyers are in the hundred ninety two hundred twenty five. And range. you'd be surprised. I mean, because they do a lot of luxury rentals and stuff like that. Yeah. So, and it's just you know they don't know where they want to go yet. They're kind of you know. A lot of millennials like to travel. They don't. They don't want to be bogged down with that responsibility yet. Sure. And then, so the rentals make sense for them. Or I work with a, a lot of my um, tenants. Uh, you know, I I definitely vet and screen them and making sure we're getting the right tenant for the right property, property management for so property management right, and right. 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 So. Um, you know, and I help guide them and get them to that credit score. That score, put money away. Sure. Let's let's have these open conversations. Let's have good relationships. And I think relationships are everything when it's in business, especially real estate. Real estate's like it really is, and that so that's one of my one of my hurdles with real estate is the networking thing. I don't do self promotion the way that like. You should, as far as that goes. And, and what do you think it should be like? I'm curious. Well, okay, so, okay, so, okay. Now, I'm a little weird on this because there's a certain amount of douchebaggery. <laughs> Just like fake shit. Just right, say right, fake shit. That I'd like to avoid <laughs> in my life. So I don't do that. Like, there's a lot of, like, movies out there that the real estate agent's the bad guy. So It wasn't those kind of shows that we were talking about. <laughs> okay, so we were talking about before the podcast that, like, I think that there's a certain, like, sex sells, okay? And Mickey's quite attractive. Oh, so, right. So, and I, I think you should use that to your advantage. And I have some idiot friends who they're like, hey, Bill, I know you got, you know, like, I have, so my entire adult life has been spent in the housing industry, in the in the local area too. So like I've built new homes, I've remodeled homes. If someone says, hey, I'm interested in the place with the Mansford roof, I can tell you what that is. You know, like, I can too. Right, I'm glad. <laughs> right. And I'm not saying you couldn't. But so my, my industry is that. There are plenty of agents, and I won't name any names, that are part-time. I work with some people who aren't so bright, and... I spent time, I, I'm really good about it. Like, if I get an agent, I, the first the first uh, company I worked for had 62 agents in the, in the office. 12 of us made a living selling real estate. The other 50, I have no fucking clue what they did. Well, is that 80-20 rule, you know? Whatever it is. About. But I'm like, oh my God, you haven't had a deal all year. How are you feeding yourself? Like, I don't know how this is working. They have a second job, whatever it is. And anything that you do, you become rusty if you don't do that job. So they're rusty. Now, 
I'll get an agent that their brother's selling their place and my buyer wants to buy that place. He doesn't understand that it's an FHA loan. So like, or I'm sorry, they have the buyer. It's an FHA loan. They need to have the FHA form. The rider put it. All of this stuff. So right, right. So here I am and I'm, listen, you have to get this. And like, oh, I didn't know. I'm like, that's fine. I, I'm super sweet with it because let's get the deal together and everything else. Right. But you're a bonehead, so here we are, and we're doing this deal. So there, a good majority of the – every agent is not equal as far as that goes. Let's just say it like that. Like, like if you're selling your house and you're just having your sister-in-law do it, the results might not be the same as if, if I did it because I'm going to work at it in a different way. And I like you said, you're competitive, I'm competitive – I go at everybody in negotiations. Like, I like you personally, but if we had to negotiate, I'm going to cut your throat. Right. Like, this is what I'm going to well, do. negotiations, that's my favorite. Right. right, right. <laughs> well, you see me on Facebook. All I do is argue. So we're going to do that. And I mean... But you could do that in a respectful manner because it's business at the end of the day. It, it absolutely is. It and absolutely is. I'm not and working for you. I'm working for my correct, client. Correct, correct, right. So... And like I go about my negotiations in a completely different way than somebody else does. I actually had an agent last year that said, "Come on," and I'm like, "No, did you just say come on? Like that's not a you're not making a point." I go, "Here are the comps. I built a case for why it should be sold for this amount of money. Right? You have built no case. You're just asking for it to be this. You're a poor negotiator." And then we sold it for the price that I because. So there's appraisers out there that, that like I can do the exact same job as an appraiser. I can pull all the comps. Absolutely. I can do a line by line and be like, this is what it's worth. Take it or leave it. I like negotiating so much that I loved like I bought bought my vehicle that's that's in the garage and I I like I had the cash to buy it, but I went into the dealership and I love to like leave the dealership and have them chase me out of the dealership. I have a story for you. I love that. Tell it. Oh, so I was trying to, um, I was in the market for a, n- a new car. Okay. You know, Bobby's now a driver. Mm. This was a year ago. So, you know, he was a driver. I needed a second car in the I've house. had so much fun being a parent. Oh, it's been so much fun. I love this. Right. I love it. But, um, so, and then Dominic's coming up quickly. So I'm like, I need a second car in the family, you know, and, and it's going to be helpful to, so you nice. know. Right. So, um, I'm like, Bobby, we need to go and. You know, I want to teach you how to negotiate for a car, you know? Oh, God. Totally cool. So, anyways, I'm like, where do you want... And he wanted to drive some sort of... Uh, test drive a Camaro or some sort of Camaro. I'm like, yeah, you're not getting a Camaro. It's not happening. <laughs> we is, there, to, is there Italian in your heritage somewhere? What's going on there? Um, yes, but <laughs> we need the little Italian flag and a white Camaro. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Everybody that I ever grew up with. The I love Jersey you all. Shores, yeah. I, I love all my Berwyn friends. I shout out. But uh, anyways, but yeah, um, he went. And so we go there and he's like, oh, $500 a month, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, no, that's Holy not God, happening. Holy $500 a month. And so I'm like, I don't need this car. You don't seem to understand. I just don't. And so I'm trying to explain the whole process to Bobby. Okay. And the answer, I get this guy to all of a sudden, like the, it goes from over $500 a month down to three ten a month. And I'm like, Seems okay. Reasonable. Well, 
okay, thanks. And I, you know, we ended up leaving. They called, you know, tried calling a few times. I'm like, no, we're, we, we purchased somewhere else and it's fine. But he's like, oh, this is a one of a kind car. And I go, it's a Camaro, but whatever. <laughs> it's a Camaro. Needless to say, he drives around a Jetta. <laughs> you go there. That's not a, that's a good car. I actually drive it more than he does. Oh, yeah, yeah. He likes driving the Jeep, of course. They, oh, sure, but, sure, sure. But that Volkswagen's a really nice. I, oh my gosh, it's great gas mileage. Right. So I, I oh, okay. So my so story is, so I bought a, I bought a Subaru, and I've never owned a Subaru before this one that I that I bought, and all right, I was set that I was going to. It was a dumbass thing on my my part, but I was going to buy this like twenty two thousand dollar Subaru off Craigslist. It's two years old. And I'm like, all right, what I got to do is I got to go into the dealership. I got to find out if my fucking wheelchair fits in the back of this thing. And like, if I can get in and out of it, okay. And if I can work everything that's in there on this vehicle. So I go into the showroom and I go there and they have 0% financing. That's like my kryptonite, right? Like I'm like, all right, 0%. You're going to give me free money. So I go into the dealership. I get the chair into the back. Everything everything works out fine. I'm like, I... And I know that this vehicle is designed exactly the same shape as the vehicle that I'm that I'm planning on buying. They tell me it's zero percent financing. I'm like, all right. I go, all right. So let's talk about it. The vehicle. Let's talk about. It. So they're like, well, you know, the best that we could come up with was like forty grand for this vehicle. And I'm like, well, I'm not buying it for that much. So we start negotiating, and I'm like, this is the price that I want to pay for it. It was like thirty-eight thousand or something like that. And the guy's like. No. And I'm like, all right, I'll go. I'll go somewhere else. They got a dealership in Joliet. I'll head there. So I had to head out and he catches me at the door. Wait, 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 wait. Let's, they do the whole silly, you know, talk to my manager and blah, blah, blah. Right, right, right. So they come and they tell me, okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll be 39 and, you know, we'll sell it to you. And I'm like, no, that's all right. I'm going to go. And I leave and they call me a week later. You know, I'll come back mm-hmm. and I'll, so I come back up there and they're like, listen, we'll sell you the vehicle. So what I did was, Dumb too. I, not dumb, but like, I love my, so the Subaru, I've had it for three years now. I would recommend that vehicle to anybody. I can't believe how much I like that vehicle. Mm-hmm. And I like it because I can drive 134 miles an hour in it. And I can also drive it responsibly and get 27 miles of a gallon in it. Yeah. So like, I'm super happy with it yeah. as far as that goes. But, I actually end up leaving there and going to another dealership. Call the other dealership. I'm like, listen, this is where we're at. We're at an impasse. They'll sell me the vehicle for the price that I want, but they want me to order it. And I think that's a bait and switch situation. So they sold me the vehicle they had on the lot for the amount that I wanted. And I got the vehicle that we had the price that I wanted and everything else. I got everything that I wanted for the price that I wanted because I was willing to leave. Hmm. Which mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't. They're there to buy something. And Rule number one, don't give them your keys. You. The, the trade-in. I would never trade anything don't in anyway. I want to sell that thing on my own. Right. Please don't. <laughs> but So in, in, in the real estate business, we, we both like to negotiate. Um, I'm very passionate about my clients, but my hurdle that I can't get over is I, I don't like I don't pound and you do a better job and I see on social media like 
if you're anywhere near a client, you're posting about it sort of a thing. And I'm just not good at that. I'm just not good at the whole marketing myself. And I was amazed at going from the construction business to the real estate business. If I marketed my construction business the way I market my real estate stuff, oh my God, my construction business would have been like five times the size that it was. So, But... I mean, I think I see it differently. Maybe not necessarily marketing myself or branding myself, more that you are working for your client and I'm genuinely excited for my clients. I'm genuinely excited about, so if you may be thinking it, like switching it up a little bit and thinking of it more on that instead of doing that cheesy, like you feel like you're doing it. That's my problem with it. I feel so, like the douchebaggery is like, I think people oh. and people pick up on you being genuine about it too, because right. I, I, right. I truly am, and it's not like, hey, you know, it's more like I'm so excited for them, and I, I really truly am, you know, this first time home buyer, and they fell in love with this house, and yeah. I got, I'm honored to be emotionally part of this. invested completely. Yes. And I'm, I, I remain friends with uh, like right. all of my clients, and you know, again, yes, we are in that industry, repeat buyers, and. You know referrals. Now, and have stuff like you that. ever have you ever like yes. had a deal with an agent where you talked to them and you were like, "Oh my god, this other agent is the biggest douchebag." I have an agent that I dealt with that I was like blown away by the things she was saying. She was like talking about like being a high roller and like she's King Kong up in this motherfucker and like like she did not. She, she said. What the fuck did she say? That was like I was like, what? She she said. Uh, so we we're in the midst of negotiation, and she said something about her clients will absolutely tell do. She will crack that whip, and they will do what they what she says. And I was like, whoa, yes. I was like, holy who's shit. working for who? Exactly. So like, and I mean, what her clients were asking for was like uh, post negotiation. It was uh, the repairs. The, the the inspection came in and there was like I don't know fifteen things on there and they were asking for twelve things done and I'm like you're asking for way too much like there's no and we I, will fix the you know major things if there's a crack in the foundation stuff like that but we're not caulking a window you just bought a house that's twenty years old this right. is what you got well so, and, and and here's the other thing there's a complete and total section in that contract that you could say you know what you really need to read the contract any of this other stuff unless it's like major mechanical anything yeah, like right. that sure 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 you know hazardous stuff like that there's a whole section safety in the issues yeah right. there don't be asking me to go and fix the trim around but they do, the, they you, do. you know and right. they do and yeah. it, but and that's why I always say refer back to the contract. Sure, 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 sure. sure. And, and I'm very firm on that. You know, right. refer back to the contract. Now, if there's something in there that's like you know glaring, I mean, I've definitely sold homes where I was like, oh man, you got to replace that carpeting. Like that's it's like it's disgusting. I'm fine with giving a credit. Credit. Yeah. yeah. Twelve hundred dollars. I get that. It's 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 bad. I got it. I got it. I mean, I'm being honest with you. So when we come to the marketing situation, I have another hurdle that I have to get over, and that's I had a guy, and I don't know if you ever saw I posted this story on Facebook, and I wouldn't like yield on it. And, like Some people are like, you're just taking the money. I, I, had a, I had a deal that I did for a $1.4 million home that I sold. And this is one of those stories where, for me, 
it worked out spectacularly. For the seller, he's a friend of mine. He spent $2.2 million building this home. And we originally listed the place at $2.2 million. We had the place listed for two years because $2.2 million. Yeah. Um, we had showings. Place is beautiful. They did a really. His wife actually is a interior decorator right now. They did an incredible job. The place is like a museum. Where is this at? Uh, Mokina. Mokina. So like, and it was, it was like, Mokina, but unincorporated Mokina. It was. I think they were on four acres of like the most beautiful woods you ever saw. Like mm-hmm. it was beautiful in the winter, the summer, the fall, whenever it was beautiful. Uh, we had showings when it was at two point two million. I had appraisers come in and talk to the seller, like, listen. And I told him, I go, I'll list it for whatever you want to list it for. Just do me a favor and stick with me to the end. So, like, don't change agents and then drop $300,000 off the price because it's not the agent. It's the price. Right. The market is what the market is. Um, so we were, we were selling this place. We had a buyer came in, and the buyer... Wanted it. Well, the appraiser told him, if you get anything north of a million dollars, grab it. Run with that. So he didn't want to hear that. We were listed at 2.2. He dropped the price to 1.9, and we got a burst of showings. We took $300,000 off the price. Right. We had a mess of showings. So the this buyer came in, and she was interested. She offered 1.1. Now... Seller was upset. Like I'm like, listen, listen, listen. You get this is business. You need to take the emotion out of the situation, mm-hmm. and you need to counter. And it took me about a week to get him to counter. He countered at 1.9 or 1.8, and when he countered at 1.8, she was like, "Oh, I'm not gonna spend." I, I was in her camp. I'm like, "You're right. Like it's not worth 1.8." Yeah. But, um. She countered back at like 1.2. And I go, I looked at the seller and I said, listen, you'll take 1.8, correct? And he said, yes. And I go, will you take 1.8 from anybody? He goes, yeah. And I go, all right. Is that my cat? I think so. Holy cow. He's <laughs> like, fuck it, I'm out of here. Uh, it was either that I have him on the podcast. So um, we lowered the price on the MLS to 1.8. So it put the pressure on the buyer. to like, oh shit, he just dropped the price again. So then she countered back at 1.2. My seller countered back at 1.6. And then we also dropped the price to 1.6. We started to get tons of showings. Every showing we got, I was calling the other agent. Hey, we got all these showings. I got a doctor. He's interested. They raised the price up to 1.3. We dropped the price to 1.5 and dropped our you know counter to 1.5. So in negotiation... We, we, you know, the other agent was actually mad at me. She's like, I can't believe you keep dropping the price on the MLS while we're in the middle of negotiation. I'm like, this is the name of the game. Bring your price up. She ended up buying the place for $1.4 million cash because she did not want to let it go. Now, my seller at this point today, this is like three or four years later, he's like, I can't believe how well we made it out of there. He lost his ass as far as what he bought it for and what he sold it for. But he goes, I know I would have never got rid of that place for the right amount of money if I didn't do what you told me to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he he did exactly what I wanted him to do. Um, in the end, he made out fine. This woman bought that place cash, 
And then my my bonus was I switched companies right before this negotiation happened, and my first deal was free, so I had no split. <laughs> so for me, like I was sitting pretty, like it worked out. Like I had a thirty five thousand dollar check to cash. That's nice. But like I still, even in the midst of that, like I could feel all that happening. I was still really more emotionally vested in my client than I was in what was going to... Sooner or later, I was going to sell this place and I was going to make a commission. Yeah. But I wanted to be my first one. And, uh, you know, there were other deals that I was like, I'm going to have to hold off on this deal because my first deal is free. Yeah. I can't, I can't make any... You know, like a, <laughs> no more you know, offers. No more offers. dollars property can't happen right now. You're doing like a 45, 60-day close on everything. <laughs> Right, right, right. So, I mean, those are the, like, so, you know, essentially the podcast here, what we're doing is like, you know, I, I, I go to lunch with my buddy Dave, who's, you know, a uh, top agent in, in the Lenox area. We'll tell stories about, you know, like goofy Dave stuff. Dave who? Cobb. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a uh, Remax guy. And he, he does real well. Uh, so we like to, you know, and we can't put names on the people because, you know, anything like right, that. But right. uh, the real estate business is fun at some points i don't want to ever promote like getting more agents involved in the game not because i'm afraid of the competition but because i i feel i don't think there's a 22 year old person that should be a real estate agent i don't think this job in 15 years is going to be what it is today i think it's it's going away as far as that goes, I talked to old timers. I mean, you've only you've been licensed since fourteen. The old timers had to drive everywhere to get every signature. Right. To, DocuSign is mm-hmm. like the greatest thing that. Oh ever my was. gosh! I DocuSign everything. Apps? I love <laughs> I it. Just oh my god! I'm for the right. I'm Johnny on the spot. I'm pissed <laughs> off. I don't have enough documents because I spent the money to buy the DocuSign. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like with my laptop. Just sign here. It's all good. We're we're good right now. <laughs> they used to have to get everyone in the same fucking room to negotiate. Can you imagine? And they didn't have the MLS. wasn't what it was. No, right. What right. we have now. So when I I I, I was I started in 07. and in 07, the internet was a thing, but it wasn't a thing thing, and. There was a guy that would show up every month to the office with the books. Mm-hmm. The fucking books. Like, you have to look through. The old timers that were there would not go on the internet and do the thing through the, like, look at They were looking through the pages. I'm like, oh, my God. So, like, someone would call him and say, Sally, I'm looking for a three-bedroom, two-bath condo. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean, it's all filter now. I'll just right. put the filter in there and find it. <laughs> and so, right. So, like, the, 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 even the time that we've been involved, it's changed that much. Tell me what's going to happen 10 years from now. Hmm. I, I just don't think that it's a viable career for somebody at 22 years old to be like, I'm going to spend 40 years here. Yeah, Trulia and all these other websites. And I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form, listen, I'm going to say this right into the camera. If you're a buyer, call me or Mickey because we will do a better job for you than you can do. I know you think you can do this. You can't. Like, you can do it. It's not going to work out as well. 
I, I negotiate properties on the regular. So when it comes to everything, I'm going to make sure that you've got all your inspections, that the things, like, you know, I'm going to get you, you know, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you a free $1,200 radon system because it's going to happen. Like, you're not going to ask for this inspection. I'm going to tell you you need this one. It's going to bomb, and then you're going to get a free thing. And then the free thing that you're going to get, I know it's not going to be anything to you, but the day you sell that property, you're not going to deal with the situation because you've already got the mitigation system in place. Well, and here's the other thing. You don't know the process. You don't know the no. paperwork. You don't know the legalities. Right. You don't know the... You don't have the resources. But they've watched HGTV. Do, oh, for- God, don't... So are we... Or is that your segue in? Because I can go on and on and on and on. I love HGTV. I'm in this business, and I'm in the business of construction, remodeling, and real estate, and HGTV still makes me giggle on a daily basis. I, I mean, the favorite meme that I have is my husband sells earthworms oh. and I right and our budget is one point two million dollars or something <laughs> like that. So, I swear to God I was just gonna say that one. <laughs> it's awesome. It's just awesome. And I mean, you know, we deal with real first time buyers that like, you know, my, my husband's a janitor and I work at the high school and our budget is, you know, two hundred and forty thousand dollars. And I will find you a very nice place, and then I will negotiate that price to a payment you can handle. I will put you in contact. Mickey's the same way. Now we can have this conversation because our our really our area doesn't overlap that much. Mm-hmm. You're out in Morris, and and I'm here way out east. Yeah. I understand that you know you'll sell anybody anything anywhere, mm-hmm. and and I generally will too. But if someone calls me and says I'd like to buy a property in. Uh, you know, somewhere in western Illinois, I'm not going that far. I've I've got you know work here. I well, for to instance, to today I just had someone um, instant or Facebook message me, and they're like, "Oh, you know, you seem like you definitely know what you're doing in real estate, blah blah blah." Yeah. Do you deal with timeshares? And I'm oh, like, no. No. "No, but here's what I'm going to do." I'm going to find out somebody that does yeah. and could help you out. I have resources. I know people that are doing, that are in different niches, niche, whatever yeah, yeah, you want to say. <laughs> but, you know, in genres, and there's so many different areas in, in real estate. I mean, you can really. I've done all right with do. referrals as far as. And that's I've, what I'm saying. Like, no, I've referred people to people in. Tennessee, Florida, Washington State, mm-hmm. uh, California, all that stuff. And I'll tell you what, it's not a city. Like, if you're moving from the you know Chicagoland area and you're going to Oklahoma, call me because I, I, have, I have somebody right, there. I have <laughs> the well, and it, if I don't have somebody there, I have the ability to have a 15 minute phone call mm-hmm. with somebody there to find out if they're legit or not. Agreed. You're not a bozo, and I'm going to put you in contact with this person. They're going to find you. Um, I had a deal in Washington State. Guy was buying a $600,000 home. I called. I talked to three agents, and I said, listen, I talked to these three agents, and these are my one, two, threes. Give me, these, you pick. I want you to call all three of them. Right. But whoever you seem to mesh with best, this is my one, two, three. I'm telling you, this is the best agent I talked to. This is the second best agent. This guy's he's okay. So he talked to him. He went with the number one, and he was like, oh, my God. You're totally right. This worked out awesome. This guy was the fucking balls. So 
And it's no sweat off of your nose at all to call me and let me do this service for you. It's not going to take me much time. No. But I'm not going to just pull up the internet and be like, okay, here's an agent. There you go. Give me my commission. Right. So I'm going to do it differently. Um, Same with you. So, like, if there's anyone out there that's, like, looking for somebody, you know, and you're, you know, I don't don't look at uh, the podcast thing, like, I'll have you on and I'll have other real estate brokers on also because I don't feel like we're not competing. We're not. There's agents out there that feel like everybody's competing and we're not. I have my friends. I have the people that are going to use me. The people that are going to use me are not going to use you. The people that are going to use you are not going to use me. Well, and I, so there's this person, um, would probably consider him to be like a mentor in sales. Yeah. Specifically for sales. Okay. Um, and I just remember a very long time ago he told me that, it, it, you know, it's not necessarily, it's it's all about you. If they like you, they're going to do business with you. Uh, you know, and really that's what it comes down to. It's not sure. necessarily like what you're selling. Do they like you? Do they trust you? Do, and it, for me, and I'm sure for you, that somebody actually chooses you to make you know, help them with the decision, biggest decision, financial decision of their life. Yep. I mean, yep. it's an honor. It's it's humbling for me. And I don't feel like I need to have a pissing contest with you or yep. some other real estate agent. Instead, I want to have a relationship because, you know, at some point I may meet with you on the other side of the, the you know, negotiation table and we have the common goal of let's get this fucking closed. Right, right. And I won't do... Just what you said there, like I won't do. I've had people that we go look at a home. It's a two hundred and ninety thousand dollar home, and they're like, "Let's offer them two sixty. And I'm like, "Let's not." not. No. <laughs> and and like, listen, listen. Like I, I understand what you want to do. Like we're not at the flea market. I can't just throw a lowball thing at them and see if they'll take it. What I will do is call and see if the agent's dumb enough to show their hand. Like, will they tell me these people are desperate or something right. like that? I'll do everything I can to get you the price at the, at the best price I can. I will not start off a negotiation by insulting the fuck out of everybody on that side. We're not going to get anywhere that way. Right. And then my other thing is, let's offer a, a good enough offer that they can't walk away but it's low enough that we can negotiate a great price for you. Mm-hmm. Sort of a situation. Yeah. So like and it, that comes with the fact that I negotiate homes on a regular basis sort of a situation. I, I get it. Like on social media, if I see a, some things I just don't see. I'm really kind of like a drive buyer on the social media. I post stuff and I post stuff to like fuck with people sometimes and then I just leave it. Like, I don't really come back to it. Like, I post it. People start fighting and arguing, whatever they're doing. And they come back later and laugh and whatever like that. I don't scroll through my news feed that much. Like, I'm really bad at, like, just like, oh, what is ever? I, I, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what I do. So, like, I get it when I see an agent that doesn't sell very many homes and she's like, or he's like, grr. That son of a bitch is selling a five hundred thousand dollar place, and I'm so jealous. When I see a post that you have, and it's it's like your listing or something like that, I'll share it. I don't mm-hmm. give a shit. That's not my. And honestly, it's all about relationship. If somebody calls me and says, 
hey, I'm looking for a place out in Oswego, and you're in Morris, so you're close to that, and I give you to to Mickey to get your property with. Well, if I give you to Mickey, Mickey's going to cut me a a referral fee. Mm -hmm. Same goes the other way. So that's all fine by me, and I know you're in good hands with Mickey, so if you're a friend of mine, I'm going to put you in somebody that's capable. I know that you're going to be taken care of. I know you're not going to go... That son of a bitch Bill gave me, you know, this agent and she's an idiot. Mm-hmm. I would never do that. That's not going to happen. So, like, I look at it like we're all working in conjunction with each other rather than I wish I had her listing. That makes no sense. I could never get your listing. I don't know who you know to get that listing. Right. So, like, I, I mean. I don't look at it as competition. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Okay. I could not agree more. So, oh, you need to ready? wind me up here. I'm, a, I'm good at this. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, no, I. I Thank you. You. Um. I just see some jealousy is just ugly. It it is, and it's and I, like I said, I get it with somebody who's like scratching and clawing to barely make whatever they're making. I would say your problem isn't the other agent that's doing well. It's maybe it's partly your attitude. Maybe it's partly that you're not working well with others, sort of a thing, and then you need to do that. Um, maybe it's you're not uh, like I was talking to you before the podcast. I like the way that you're diversified. You're doing some property management. You and you you said like that takes the heat off. This business is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of used to this business because. In contracting, there's swings. Like the first few years I contracted, I'm like, I'm going to contract 365 days a year and I'm going to work every single day. It was a mistake. I spent more time with guys warming up their hands in January and stuff like that. I wasn't making any money. Yeah. I was better off to like, dude, lay you off, go collect unemployment, do whatever you got to do for, for two, three months, and then we'll come back to it. If we get some real nice indoor work, then we'll do that work. If not, I'm not going to hang siding in January. Right. It's not going to work out. So you're diversified as far as that goes. The swings in real estate are tough. I have had a month where I had, I had a month where I sold two $500,000 pieces of property and a $1.4 million piece of property. I was a guy with $60,000 in one month. <laughs> it's a great month. Those are good months. Right. But there's also those. months where there's, you're scrambling to follow up on leads and just shit does not fall in place mm-hmm. and there's no money. If you're not disciplined enough to hold on to that $60,000. And then the other one is tax time comes. I got to pay taxes on that sixty grand. Yep. If I spent that sixty grand, I'm in trouble. Right. The Shylocks are coming for me. Like it, it's not going to work out well. Mm-hmm. So like, I, like there's people that work out better that every Friday there's a paycheck than people that the swings are. I'm wealthy in June and I'm poor in January. <laughs> and I'm owing somebody right. in March. Right. So like, <laughs> I, I, I would not say this. This job is for everybody, but. If you're if if you're passionate about home stuff and everything else, and like I like design, I told you, like I like your style. Like I like some of the stuff. Like I've seen some of the pictures you've posted. Like it's nice looking. Like it's very aesthetically, it's 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 pretty. It's it's 
it's cool as far as that goes. But that's because I'm into that sort of thing. I've walked into people's houses and I'm like, wow, you have no style. <laughs> There's a lazy boy chair and a TV remote. That's as stylish as you get. Well, you know what? I would say that that's a lot of like men and oh, regular, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. whatever. Well, but- look at me. I live in a world where there's no woman reeling me in. I mean, well, I- if, if it was me and you, would you let me? Everything I'm doing here? I mean, the cedar ceiling, the, you know, I, mean, I don't know if you saw the mounted fish. and the- I, I mean, yeah, the fish probably, oh, the fish probably not, but... Uh- <laughs> My ex-husband wanted to put a boar hat in the house. And I'm like, no, that's going to stay right in the garage. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, but but I still have, even for me, because I'm I'm into the housing thing, like I've got a motif, right? Or like I did Craftsman. I've got the super raised uh, baseboards, the three panel doors. Mm -hmm. Like I tried to make some style out of this thing so that when I know when I'm selling a home and this home will be sold someday. Uh, I'm selling to a woman. That's who I'm selling to. Most of the time, I'm selling to a woman. Because they're the ones that make the final decision on the house, really. I mean, yes, because I think we have that emotional connection to the house. Right. But even even if the guy is the only breadwinner in the home... See, I'm I'm dancing around that. You notice that I am because I don't want to like, you know. You ladies have the power and that's, you know, how it goes. And I won't get vulgar about why you have the power, but you have the power. Uh Um, So (laughs) so, even when like uh, I'm scouting homes for people, I'm generally more scouting. Like I've had guys that are my friends that are married and I'm like, well, I need to talk to your wife. Like, let's talk, let's let's sit down, let's have more of a talk, and I'm going to pay way more attention to what she's got to say than what he's got to say. Because mm-hmm. guys are dumb. They don't care about much of anything. If there's a garage, that's good. But let's, like, make sure that the kitchen is is, is formidable. Let's make sure that we're in the budget. That, and if we're not, then we're in the budget where they can afford to spend, drop 20 grand to make it the way that they, they wanted, wanted to make it. Right. So I'm generally selling to a woman. And if my advice was out there to anyone, if you're going to market your home or get your home ready to be marketed, contact an agent. You kind of, well, contact an agent. And also have it ready for a woman to move in there because that's what, but that's he, what I'm selling okay, to. Okay, but now you tell a guy, we have it ready for a woman to walk into and oh, want no, to right. buy. No. They're like, oh, do I put lace curtains up? Or, you know what I mean? So, I'm not saying that's all men because mm. I know some men with some great style and, you know, I really do value. You really? I do. I don't know that many men with great style, but I don't like men that much. I don't, uh, I had a woman one time go, all right, you're connected with like 1,400 people on, on Facebook. Can you hook me up with a guy? And I'm like, oh, no, no. Because I'm not paying attention to what they're doing. Besides that, like they're boneheads. Most of my friends are idiots. Like I wouldn't, I would never, I would refer someone to an agent or refer like, you know, like anything else before I would ever refer a woman to date a guy that I know. Sounds bad, but like. All your friends are now currently amassing you. (laughs) There's a couple guys, I guess, that if I really think about it, but like. I wouldn't want to put myself in that position where, like, oh, my God, dating? Like, oh, God, it's so, like, 
Yeah, that's that's, and for women with the internet now that we were talking about for the pirate, like that's a rough. There are so many unsolicited penis pictures that you don't need to see. Well, I have never received one of those. Shut the fucking. No, I have never received one of those. But I mean, there's quite a few. I am so surprised. No, and it's very. It's... I've talked to so many women who have received way too many unsolicited dick pictures. Like I've it's never. And if I did, I'd be like borderline. <laughs> but no, I do get a lot of. Do I call a hitman or the cops? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I, I. That's. It's. Oh my god. Literally in your face. I had a friend of mine who was here. We were laughing about that, drinking. And she literally pulled up her phone and showed me, not showed me, but she had a dozen, a dozen pictures of penises. Of I'm like, this is the way a guy thought he was going to get to you. Like, oh my God. No, I mean, you know, I'll get like Facebook messages and all this other stuff and they're uh, good morning, beautiful. Or I mean, they're very kind, and you know, it's all fine. Right? Yeah, yeah, and so I mean, but You're trying it's to do not, the clever texting thing, That's right. All right? But it's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I dating is strange. Oh God, oh God. So okay, we were talking about this too, and and and, and Mickey must live a sheltered life. Um, <laughs> With I, I was dick pics. Right. <laughs> No dick, no dick pics, and Mickey did not know that real estate agent porn was a thing. Why would I know that? You're a real estate agent. <laughs> That's why you would know that. So, okay, so I I think that, like, okay, a, being a woman real estate agent, being an attractive one, as, as Mickey is, it's an advantage, okay, because guys are dumb, and they feel like it's a position where I can... Show this woman that I am successful because she's going to see my financials because, you know, she's gonna, I'm going to buy a house. So I'm going to get this, like, good-looking real estate agent. Okay, so <laughs> porn. <laughs> I've had this conversation on a podcast before. I have, I have sat my sons down and been like, listen, porn is not what real. you should. Real. Right. <laughs> That's not sex. Um, you need to like go about this a whole different way. And I've been like, I, short of explaining the actual function of what you're going to do around a vagina, I have spoke to my sons about like, you know, the respect you need to show and the things you need to do and like really what's important for that situation versus what is shown on these stupid videos. But there is a whole genre of real estate agent porn and i'm sorry to say i'm gonna be on like porn right, later it on, is, like, right it is never a dude porn agent <laughs> or, I mean, porn agent, real estate agent it's never a real estate agent that's a guy what's the opening line like what is the, the like it I'm is i'm gonna show you think about it it is a guy who's like well i might write a contract on this home if zip oh right like somehow hmm. You would be right, like so enamored with his, uh, you know, offer on a real estate property. His negotiation would... technique. It's the most awful thing ever. But it's a whole genre of porn that I'm sorry, there are dudes watching that and thinking, I've got to get myself a hot real estate agent. Now, 
The pizza delivery business, it's always a guy delivering the pizza, and that's a whole genre of porn, too. See, that's disappointing. What? I mean, a guy, the guy is the delivery pizza. Like, okay, all right, so okay, so that is the difference, right? Now, if I drive through the drive-thru, not, maybe not at 48, but as a younger man, driving through the drive-thru at McDonald's and she's cute, I might hit on her. Driving through the drive-thru at McDonald's and he's cute, probably not going to hit on him. He's got the McDonald's schmock and visor on. Like, there's a different play there, right? Like, I mean, as far as a woman goes, a guy goes, she's cute, she's at the drive-thru in, in McDonald's, she has a vagina. You're like, he has a really shitty job. job. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, like, it's a totally different dynamic. That's what I'm saying. Like, pizza delivery, is that really But you understand, saying that's a whole genre of porn, too, right? <laughs> she always orders it with extra sausage. <laughs> right. And then he shows up for the delivery and it's ba-dum, 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 and it's silly porn music. But oh. yeah, so like porn's got it for young men out there and young women, it's all backwards. No, it's, it's not it's supposed to be like that. And no. don't and I think that women need to know that you don't have to do these weird things because a lot of the no. time it doesn't feel right no well, well, i can't of, believe we're having this right conversation, right but, but, but you have boys and i have boys that's a conversation that okay so the like people need to i think people don't get it like i don't personally get the and i've been to a couple the strip club i don't get it i'm literally sitting there going i don't get this i don't get it at all and i'm a dude who there's all kinds of weird, like people get real weird. Like people, like you know, the people put on like furry outfits and oh, have I sex. I heard that about that thing, the furry, the furbies, or whatever, whatever the fuck that is, right? So that's a thing, and I'm like, I am totally amazed by that because my literally my fantasy has been the same since like 18 years old or 17 years old that it is today, and that is an attractive woman with a fucking brain thinks my dick is crack. And then we just do that. Like regular sex is all just wonderful. I don't understand why I need to improve on this thing and like be into your feet or anything weird like that. Like that's just not my thing. So like my sons, I'm like, hey, listen. Whatever you're into. (laughs) But like you don't need to be like you're taking a thing that's perfectly fine and making it something that you got to make it different. You don't need to make it different. It all works out great just this way. But so, how confident is that? Are those people to be okay with all? I mean, I don't know. Kudos to them for being so confident. In I'm, I, I'm their still. There's still. <laughs> there are still things I'm blown away by, like when I run into somebody who is. I run into people that, like you know, in middle age people start to talk about things that are like way out of bounds. I've run, like, into, right like <laughs> I've run into swingers that I was like, really? And this is what they're doing like in their like hobby. Or like um, I was 24 and I got a call to uh, Indiana for a bunch of uh, buildings that needed siding. It was a nudist colony. And I was like, 
I'm going to have to charge you more because the people are disgusting. Right. They they're shouldn't s- be naked. No. They're yeah. all fat and old and ugly and terrible. They're all naked. There are balls and dicks and <laughs> saggy boobs. And, like, it's just the worst thing ever. <laughs> I'm like, you understand I'm going to charge you a premium to be here under these conditions. This is bad. Or you must be clothed. Fully right, clothed right, right. when I'm here. I'll come in February where everyone's got clothes on. So, like... <laughs> Like, 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 people are weird. Like, they get, just get weird. And it's like, my analogy with um, sex, and, and I make an analogy between that and pizza. For a guy, bad pizza is still okay. <laughs> For a woman, bad pizza, bad sex is really bad. I like my some of my favorite things is they have conversations with women about terrible sexual encounters, and it is like, oh my god, what the fuck was he thinking? Okay, but wait, now have you had the conversation of the best encounters? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, all right, that's and, and, fair. And, and and for guys, sometimes the best encounters, I'm like. I look at him like you need to focus on that. Like that's yeah. that's exact. Like you got it right. And sometimes, okay. So I had a sexual encounter with a woman who was oh my god, she was so fucking gorgeous. She was beautiful. And Mickey, we went to go kissing, and she went. Ew! Stop! It. I looked at her. I looked at her, and I go, "Why are you moving your head?" She didn't move her tongue. We kissed, and she moved her head. Yeah, I was like, "What the fuck?" I'm like, "You've been getting away with this because you look so good, right?" Like this sort of deal. So my takeaway was, I need to find like a seven that'll work hard. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my takeaway from the situation. The tens, not so much. Yeah. Well. Oh, I'm positive. Not all of us. I'm kidding. All those tents. <laughs> I'm positive sense. that there are. I know that there are good-looking dudes out there that are unbearable as far as the gym pictures and the, the just like douchebaggery that goes on. Like you couldn't have a conversation with them. Well, it's all about working out, and you know, great. I love that you work out and you take care of yourself, mm-hmm. and it's fantastic that you do. It's just. Okay, what else do you got? Well, then, and I, so I like the workout thing. Um, I'm attracted to a woman that works out. I'm attracted to a woman that works out, not because, honestly, of the way she looks, but, so two reasons. Uh, a woman that works out to me works hard, which I, I appreciate that in my life. Like, everything around me is work. I sell real estate, I general contract, I coach wrestling, I do a podcast, because it's all work, and I, that, that you only have that when you're when you're dead. That's all you have to leave is your legacy of what you did, what you accomplished in life. So I, I like that. I, I want a woman that works and works hard. So when I see like a really like overweight, kind of like messed up, I, I, I look at this person. I go, "You're not a very hard worker," so I can't. That's not going to be attractive to me. And then secondly, a woman that's in shape is generally hornier. She's generally like more active as far as sex goes. So I'm wired that way. So it's attractive to me as, as far as that goes. So 
there's more to it than just the like gym picture in the mirror sort of situation, mm-hmm. which it, that's nice, that's fine, but it's, that's not the most attractive aspect of that to me. Like I'm always a big picture person. I kind of like draw back and go, all right, if I get a person that's like lazy and smokes, when I see a person that's a smoker, I'm like, <gasps> you make bad decisions. Well. Do you like a smoker? No, no, okay. no. But I, so no, we'll, we'll kind of count on that oh, completely. But now, okay, um, and the one thing I did want to hit on with you was Mickey is attracted to older men. Now we need to like define what that is. Like how old? I saw a Facebook post where there was like a extremely old man who was obviously on testosterone therapy, and you were like. Hello, Daddy. And I was like, oh, my God, no. <laughs> it was that, It was that like, really weird picture. Like, Oh, did he have that gray beard? No, no, no. I, it was that old, old, it was a like grandpa face dude who was, like, jacked. And oh, were, and I put, I, yeah, just like that everybody would. He, oh, that was one of my friends that posted. Of okay, course okay, I right. said, hello, Daddy. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, all right. So, how much older is okay? Because like I have a, I have a problem with uh, my male friends, and I had a guy who like defriended me and like blocked me and everything else over the fact that he's like forty eight ish, fifty ish, and he wanted to date like twenty two, and I'm like, no, creepy dude, creepy, creepy, creepy. That's dude. creepy. Yes, I right. think you need. I know. All I said to him was, listen, man. I go, I'm to, for your benefit, I'm telling you, people from the outside think it's creepy. Well, okay. It, I think you're both in different stages of your life. Okay. Like, she one day will want to have children or, you know, I'm not saying that all women do, but let's just say she's going to want to have children yeah. and he's 48 years old. And yeah, I get it. I, I understand how science works. and you Guys know, can still. Be, yeah. Right, right. I know all of that. Um, but I think, you know... You have to ask yourself, what do you have in common with this person? You right. know? So for me, that's a big factor. It's a huge factor in it is, okay, with the podcast, I found out like that having really cool conversations, like having a dinner party where there's four or five people and you have like really good conversations, like arouses me, not in a sexual way, but like mentally, like I like that, that connection mm-hmm. with somebody. Um, I see all these relationships with people. They've got a couple neighbors and like people that I know that the guy's got a man cave and the woman spends the time in the kitchen. And they're apart. I would personally rather be alone than be in a relationship like that. Like that bothers me. Agreed. Right. I want to, and I, I, I'm actually attracted, male or female, conversation-wise, to people who, I disagree with a couple things on because then I can have this like whole night conversation about this thing that you how are you thinking how am I thinking mm-hmm. and then you know if it's a if it's a sexual relationship I can have this engrossing conversation and then have sex later on even though that like like I don't know we like stimulate each other's minds and then we physically got it on later, sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. So that that's important to me. 
I, I would leave a relationship where we were separate, like where the guy had a man cave and then the woman was in the kid. Like, like I, I don't need that. Like, I, why I'd are rather you together be alone. then? Exactly. Why are exactly. You I don't even get. I think some of it is honestly, it's financial. Financial, it's like, comfortable. Yep, we live under the same roof. I we, think it's majority financially. I agree. I agree. And I am not in a place in my life where I need that. Like, I don't need. Granted. I don't think it'd be bad to have a woman that made six hundred thousand dollars a year, and uh, you know, like I I'd like, have a woman that made six hundred thousand dollars a year. Exactly. <laughs> I, I can't go there. I could, I could do everything except for the sex stuff with the guy. Like you know, hang out, talk about we'll things, go fishing together, yeah, or your dick. No. <laughs> Let's drink some beer. You're really hairy. God damn. So no. Uh but uh so right. So like like I want I'm in a position in my life where I want to have conversations. I want to have I want to have a physical relationship because I'm wired like that, but I also want to have a thing where we like really talk about things. And I honestly have I'm still capable of changing my mind about things if somebody can, like, let's have a discourse. Tell me in the best words you can about what you think, and then maybe I'll think about it. Because disagreements aren't necessarily, like, grounds for, oh, my God, this is, it's over. and we're fi-. No. In America now it is, though. It is. Right, and it it's is. wrong. It, that, so that's a reason for the podcast. I, I want to have people on that have a dis, you know, like a, a completely disconnected view from my view and then explain to me how you got there like let's talk about that and like we're in a podcast so we're, we're going to do a couple hours of talking and you know because people are going to consume it but in my life me and you are a couple i can make a dinner i cook very well we can talk about things at dinner we can we can turn on the news we can we can have conversation I can have eight-hour conversations with somebody that I dig, and then you know what? I don't know if you if you dig somebody. I don't know. Like for me, I'm a prolonger of like uh, pleasure. So like I can have this conversation. I can look at you while I'm having this conversation. I can I can, and I can think about maybe what we're gonna do later and stuff like that. And it makes the whole relationship something. And if you have that, I think you can be like a. 75 year old couple and still have like a fire that is something cool because you you have this thing and maybe like you go and you read books about this certain topic and i read books about that certain topic and then we can talk about those things or you you know you, you consume a different thing so like i don't know the the human connection is what separates us from animals, right? Mm-hmm. Like my dog does not realize he's going to have grandchildren. Like it doesn't matter to him. But we do. So like we can have like a, I don't know, I want something more out of a relationship than just do you make a living? Do I make a living? Do Are you a decent? Like, I, I, I want like a well, and that's mental thing. connection. It, it, and I see it so often, you know, it's financial situation, and the they they're probably not bad people, but there is no connection. Oh God, it's it's like almost like purposely disconnected. It's I can't even I, I shake my head about it. I, I, 
I've been divorced for a long time now, and I kind of like me. Like, I like to spend time alone. I don't mind it at all. I, it, like, being someone that's, like, out of a relationship for a while, it, six months out of a relationship, I can have a sandwich when I want to have a sandwich. I can turn on Netflix when I want to turn on Netflix. I can watch when I want to watch. I can... Don't you get scared of getting comfortable with that, though? Because I kind of get scared with that. It's been two and a half years. I... And I'm kind of really cool with me and... I don't want I don't it to get to you know what I'm saying like but I'm real I, I, I hear, hear you you're though. saying but I don't no I'm cool with being comfortable with it because like what if I am alone like I better be comfortable with it like what I because I honestly I'm, I'm being totally blunt I would totally choose being alone I was a serial monogamist in high school and and through like my 20s until I got married. I would rather dump somebody. I have no fear of being alone. Like, I, I don't. I'd rather dump... I, I was really good at dating someone for about five months. And then the minute that we got into that, like, first, like, thing, I'm like, I gotta go. I, I gotta go. There will be another woman around the corner in a minute. I have no doubt about that. But I gotta go. I gotta go. I can't do this. And then I've also, I've dated some spectacular women, I think just at the wrong time in my life. I dated women that were awesome, like in my early 20s and my late teens, they were like ready to get married. And I was like, not there. Like that was not me. And that's how I was in the same sort of situation too. I think I wasn't ready, but then I thought I was. And then, you know, again, I think, People get, oh. oh, I was bad. I actually looked at a girl one time and said, she said something about when we get married. And I go, you got a mouse in your pocket? Yeah. Because we ain't getting married. I'm 21. I'm not getting married. Like, and a 21-year-old not... doesn't have any business getting married. Oh, I've had this conversation with my sons. So this is my job as a parent. I try, I've explained to my sons, listen, a smart person learns from their mistakes. Mm-hmm. A wise person learns from other people's mistakes. You don't got to make these mistakes to learn from them. So listen, boys, learn from mine. You have no business getting married till you're 30 because you're boys, first off, so you can have children till you're like whenever. Right. I told her, listen, buy the Corvette, buy the motorcycle. Don't buy the motorcycle. That's a don't, dumb thing to do. Don't buy the motorcycle. Right, right, right. Go to Europe experience what the world has to offer and then also this goes back to the real estate thing too many people get the partner and then they find the nest listen make the nest yeah get the nest feather the nest Mm -hmm. make the nest exactly what you want it to be then bring the woman over man you know and a woman wouldn't appreciate that absolutely oh my god I've dated in my 30s and 40s. A woman appreciates when I can have her over, have a glass of wine, make her a meal. I'm a fully developed person all on my own. That's right. Right. So look at I can do Maybe all these things. Maybe that's why I like older men. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> but anyways, go ahead. The older man thing I had fun with because like the, uh, what was it? The Big Daddy movie where he was like, enjoy his old balls. <laughs> <laughs> which you know uh, so I, I okay so i when you said that like i actually took some time and i was like all right let's think about this 
for a woman, if you dated an older guy, there are some advantages. You brought up that he like is more caring about the relationship or something like that. Or, or no, I think they're experienced and they know how to be in a relationship and they do nurture a relationship. Right. Okay, now, so my Wired for Sex thinks that there's a certain aspect to that too. Because, I think the sex is fantastic too. Right. Okay, so the, there are people that, and I don't want, like, if you're married and you got married at 20, stay fucking married. Yeah. But <laughs> find yourself some sex toys, do what you got to do. Like, like I don't know, get some t- tutorial videos, do something. Because people that get married young, the sex is bad. Like, it is, like, I don't know, there's like, I've heard so many sex stories where, like, the it's a wham bam. Like, the guy, I think it's mostly on the guy. You're not there for the right reason. Like, you should be there for hours, not minutes. Like, there should be, like, a thing where you're, like, setting this thing up to be. The, the most intimate thing you can do with Please. somebody you're in a relationship with is have sex with them. You're connecting on a, like,. I don't know. It's 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 very important as right. far as that goes, and I think too many relationships that are married young, the guy was just trying to get to having sex. They had sex, and then they thought that's what it is. Get older and find your way around a vagina, man, because like, there's a whole other thing going on. Like I said, guys are easy to have sex with. If, if a guy gets off. Ah, it sucks. It's not too hard to get that make that happen. <laughs> right, right. Where like I don't know, like you need to get to a point. That's why, like, I'm still totally hung up on regular heterosexual sex between a man and a woman, and it's because it's awesome if you can get in between her ears. Okay. Getting in between her legs is easy. Getting in between her ears is a whole other well. thing. Well, it depends on which one. Which exactly. Legs. Right. And I, I got no, I got no hangups on that either. If you can, you know, like if you're a woman that makes a guy wait a month, and then if you're a guy that makes a man makes him wait a day, it, it's it's it, that makes no difference. But I'm telling you, if you can get between her ears, it's way more fulfilling than if you can just get between her legs, because if you can have a connection where a guy is a dumbass. Like, okay, all you need to do is get between her legs. That's it. That That's all that there is. But between a woman's ears is where it's at. So, like, if I can get you excited about me personally and, like, everything else, sex will be a better thing than... Well, why do you think that... 50, like, guys, take a clue. That whole Fifty Shades of Grey and how popular it was and, like, you know, in read it. Read the books. It may help. You know yeah, what I mean? I, I don't know. I don't get into the BDSM stuff like but that. But it's thing. not even it's not even truly like that. It, it's not. And it like my favorite meme with that was if the guy wasn't a billionaire, it'd be rape. <laughs> <laughs> if he lives in a trailer park, that'd be bad. If he were to tie you up. He's <laughs> so. got a red room. <laughs> I don't know shit about that. I'm sorry. The, so the difference was, between the red, the difference between that is a white van. Right, 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 right. So you know, white conversion van. That's what it has to be. 
There's so like, I always advise. I've had people come to me and be like, "Listen, you know, we, I've been married for 20 years, and I want to get a divorce." And I, male or female, I'm like, "Don't do it. Figure out a way to not do it." Both of us have been through divorces. Mm-hmm. It's fucking awful. It's awful to have a person that has been convinced by an attorney to oh, lie yes. for personal gain. Be, and like you used to sleep in a bed with this person, and now you're in court. And, was, and you'll do anything to fuck to that get, other person over. Right. It's the worst thing ever. Figure out a, a way to make this work mm-hmm. because you're going to get scars that never go away from that well, situation. Well, even if you do get divorced, I mean, if there's any advice that I could, and I'm giving advice. Um, <laughs> I don't know who's going to take it, but the attorneys, seriously, we just had this conversation. They do a discovery, and what they're discovering is how much money that they could take from you and how long they can prolong it. Yep, no, for sure. And I mean, okay, so anyone who's not divorced, who's contemplating it, uh, I want to say my end of my divorce was 26000 Dollars in attorney fees, so just do that money there, and the I don't even know what the uh, ex's was, but she had three attorneys to my one, so I can't even imagine. So let's just triple it. Yeah, let's, let's just say you know sixty um, for, for the low end, but so there's you know almost ninety thousand dollars that went out on. That Nothing. kind of went to your families. Right, to your families, right, right. Besides the fact that now you split your families, you've got two households, you've got all this money that could have gone to one place and it didn't, all over something that you had that you thought was good enough to get married in the first place and then you couldn't make that work. So, like, I don't know, go to counseling. Figure out how to make that fucking work. Unless you're in an abusive relationship. Oh, yeah, get the fuck yeah. out of there right away. Yeah. Right, yeah, no, there's no but, reason I for mean, in, But we were just having this conversation earlier that like, if you would rather not be in a comfortable situation and be in it just for the finances either. So, you know, I get it. Like, people want to leave as well. Right. I have a neighbor who literally lives his summer in a shed. He has a TV, Fox News watcher, and he just sits in his shed and he watches the news all day. And I'm like, I feel bad for his wife. I'm like, she hasn't seen any action forever. Like, it's terrible. But you don't know. Like, maybe she's comfortable with that situation, yes, right, right, too. Right, I don't understand. Like, for me, and maybe it's that I've been on my own for as long as I have. I'd, I'd rather be... I, I, I think I'm less lonely... By myself than I would be in a relationship where I was lonely. Like that mm-hmm. would be. You would think one of those people has to be pining away for. I wish he would just come inside and talk to me. We all do. Yeah, but I mean, like, so isn't that the bigger thing? Like, okay. I'm. I. I'm seriously like physically. I'm wired for a physical relationship. That's the way I roll. Wouldn't it be awesome to have like really good conversations with somebody every single day? 
Like, like you'd be happy. Like, so both of us are very, very work oriented. Like, I see mm-hmm. your your stuff, and like you posted today, like your work day was crazy, and then you work out, you everything else, and then you're like, I gotta bust out to a podcast too. So, like, I the same thing, and I and I do a podcast. But wouldn't it be like awesome to look forward to? I'm gonna get done with all this shit and tell someone about my day. Yes, so I can talk to that person about this. Share. Right. Share about your day, and then also like be like, "Hey, like uh, I we watch this uh, Netflix series together, and you could be like talk about every single detail about that thing." That would be, and even though, like I said, like I'm disclaiming it, by I'm wired for like carnal situation. I I want the other thing more than I want the carnal situation. Well, I think guys need to understand if they actually did that, they'd be getting more of your. They'd be getting more. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, right, right. And I'm telling you, if you don't know already, sex is better with somebody that you have had uh, an entire Sunday to watch her walk around the house and look at her and be like, tonight I'm going to do this thing with her. But all day I'm going to talk to her and have this connection with her that's different than that. So, like, I, you know, I, I think most of the relationships I see they're not so good. Like it bothers me about that, and it turns me off on the relationship thing. I just want to see somebody. I don't know. Get out of those. But then again, I don't want to financially. I don't want to see you get out of it because some people can't take care of themselves. I knew a guy who stabbed himself nine times in the chest because his wife left him with a fucking steak knife. I don't even know how you do that. After the third. Time and hope. This really fucking hurts. Right. <laughs> he must have been really distraught. Yes. Couldn't make a paper and jelly sandwich on his own. I don't know, but Oh my god. Right. So anyways. Well, there Mickey, we we we're we're two hours into this. I think we've covered quite a bit. Now, okay, so with the podcast thing, I'm hoping to have some regulars mm-hmm. okay so i hope you come back and I would love we to. Sit, sit and talk again um and we'll talk about real estate stuff uh we didn't even get into like uh i've got some oh my god i've got some stories that were like you know just can't believe that they happen the way they happen um as far as real estate goes mm-hmm. and then i'd I've like got to about a million for you right, too <laughs> i, I, I it's tough with the real estate thing because you don't ever want to put a client to the story sort of a situation, but crazy shit goes on in real estate as far as that goes. And you have to be able to deal with it too because sometimes for a real estate broker, the crazy shit that goes on is the difference between you know $20,000 my way and no money my way too. So it's... It's emotional, to say the least. But I enjoyed our conversation very, very much. Thank Thank you for having me. All right. And the view is nice, too. Oh, thank you. (laughs) All right, let's wrap it up here.